G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us if you're listening to us on mypodcasthouse.com or maybe on iTunes or on... What are you going to call um, Stitcher this week? Stitcher. Snatcher. Splitter, Swatter, no, Stepper. You've never called it Stitcher before. No, because you said it first, so I remembered what it was. <laughs> uh, whatever you're listening to us on, thanks for joining us, boys. G'day to you. Very good day, Tony. Very good day to you, Lyle. Yeah, good day, mate. How you going? Good. The music of Greg the Hammer Valentine bringing us in, and uh, well, that's just for one reason because we'll be speaking to him very, very shortly. First of all, though, we should talk about uh, the interview with Brooksy last week. Went down very well. Geez, he's good. But he's a good speaker. He's very good fun. Uh, glad I could make it. Yeah. Yes. Change a, change a flight or two and uh, leave my family. He didn't insult us as much as he usually would. I think some of his insults, um, you know, I'll, I won't say them, uh, terms of endearment from, from the yeah. good man himself. Hmm. You know. Nice. Some good stories about the unit and about the Turkish delight. Yeah. Which is yeah. always fun. Yeah, very fun. He, <laughs> yeah, he had a couple of good laughs in there when uh, remembering of stories he couldn't tell. Looking forward uh, a little bit later on the show <laughs> to talking about his match with Slex, who will also join us for an interview later on as well. Don't forget, if you want to support us, please subscribe on iTunes or leave us a review. It does help us a lot when we see uh, great words being said about the show. All right, boys, let's get into it. Greg the Hammond Valentine is about to join us in a sec. He primarily is, has been a part recently of a, uh, a documentary slash movie called 350 Days. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie. Uh, a lot of great names of wrestling. Brett the Hitman Hart's involved. Um, George Animal Steel, before his passing, was heavily involved. I think Jimmy Snooker might have been involved as well. Um, JJ Dillon. And they talk about, um, yeah, some of the hardships of being on the road away from the family, uh, especially during that, the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and the uh, fast lifestyle, as you could imagine, being in the uh, the height of the 80s and well, being on the road for 350 days, uh, minds are going to wander and... Cocaine and hookers. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very uh, interesting watch. Uh, re- highly is. recommended. It certainly is. All right, let's welcome onto the program uh, former WWF World Tag Team Champion, uh, also WWE Hall of Famer as well, inducted. Intercontinental in Champion. 2004 Intercontinental Champion and the works. Also a, a, a professional wrestling Hall of Famer as well was inducted in 2016. As we say g'day to Greg the Hammer Valentine. Thank you, guys. It's been, I haven't been in Australia since the 80s. <laughs> so that's a long time ago, but uh, I trust that uh, everything is good down there. Yeah, it certainly is. It's changed a little bit since the 80s, but <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Oh, I bet. Yeah, exactly. Greg, oh, go- I had a great time. Uh, and you, and so you should. Everyone who comes here always says they have a fantastic time, so we like to look after our guests. Yes, sir. Greg, we've got you on to talk about a couple of things, but a new movie that's out called 350 Days, the movie, which primarily looks at uh, the life of a wrestler. What can you tell us about it? Well, 350 Days is back in the 80s. And I think this is basically from the 70s, 80s, and 90s where we were on the road constantly so that's where you you know it's 365 days in a year so we figured 350 days is probably a lot a lot of those days we probably did i don't know if i did 350 days every year but it gives you an idea that we were on the road constantly on airplanes driving cars rental cars our own cars you name it, we were out there. And the movie goes into how difficult that is on the body and the mind of um, all the guys involved. Um, how, 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 just how hard was it? Well, you know, you don't have any family wife. You know, I, um, I was married three times. I'm with a great lady now. Been with her for 23 years, but she's... She's been through that with me on being on the road all the time. And, you know, we did 10 days on WWF. We did 10 days on. They give us three days off. 
we'd sleep for three days when we came home, and then we'd be on the road for another four days, come home for three days, and then back out, back out for ten days again. So there was no regular wife. If you had kids, you hardly saw them. But you know, my dad used to say he was a very famous wrestler, Johnny Valentine. He says you got to if you're going to be successful in professional wrestling, you have to put the business first. In other words, you got to be married to professional wrestling, and your wife comes in second place, and your family. With with, with all the travel, what what's the longest you're away from home at any given time? Well, right now, you know, I'm still on the road. I, you know, I live in Las Vegas, but uh, you know, my wife's home by herself, and I'm, I've been, I'm going to be gone six days just here in Chicago doing autographs, not wrestling, but autographs. That's what I do now. Occasionally, I, I still get in the ring, but you know, six days is hard on her. You know, at least I get to come home now, and then I'll be home for two weeks. Then I go back out again, but uh, yeah, back in the day I was gone all the time. But to be honest with you guys, I love, I love the business. I love being on the road because I was part of it. You know, it's just you know, it's just it's all part. Of you. you had to do that to be successful. And like I said, you're married to wrestling. That's who you're married to first. Like every marriage, though, Greg, there's always bumpy uh, roads in it. Was it tough being on the road with with guys for that period of time? Were there blokes that you didn't get on with that you just didn't want to be around? You know, I I always, you know, I I I didn't have a problem getting along with anybody. You know, I was just uh, I loved the business so much. Some guys would, you know, if they if they got on my nerves, I'd just stay away from them, you know? Uh, a lot of times I would just travel. I would get a rent a car and travel by myself if I didn't have any friends that, you know, that I could travel with and be comfortable. I'd just do it on my own so I didn't have to listen to all the BS, you know? And uh, when you were traveling with others, who were, the, who were the best, who were your favorite guys to be on the road with to travel with? Oh, there's Rick Flair. There's Roddy Piper, the late great Roddy Piper. Uh, Brutus Beefcake. We were on the road a lot of times. Paul Hogan on the road a lot of times. So those are the main guys. I think we get no surprises out of hearing those names. <laughs> yeah. yeah with, um... But they were usually on their head. They were easy on the head. They were easy to get along with, and they were all, you know, they were a gun hole to for the wrestling business, you know. Now, with a lot of traveling, obviously there comes a little bit of downtime. How how uh, how how were the ribs back then? Oh God! Well, my dad Johnny Valentine was a master of the ribs, but uh, I tell you, you know, I never ribbed. I never liked to rip guys because I didn't want to be ripped, but uh, a couple of guys like the British Bulldogs, <laughs> they always rip people. And uh, there was a few other guys, you know, but uh, the ribs, the ribs are all part of, you know, part of the, part of the travel. You mentioned your dad, Greg, uh, Johnny Valentine, and I read that you dropped out of school to take up professional wrestling. Your dad, did he try to stop you from getting into the business or was he all for it? Well, I was probably one year into college and uh, I was actually going to be in radio. I was going to be a radio announcer, DJ. I wanted to do that, so I was taking a lot of courses for that. But uh, I went out on the road with him for a couple months in Texas and I realized that's what I wanted to do. and. He at first said he was. I said I was too small, and he says you, you don't want you don't want to do this life. And I I said, oh yes, I do. So I talked him into it. He sent me up to Calgary, the coldest place in the world, with Stu Hart, the dungeon, thirty 
below zero up there to maybe he was trying to discourage me. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, later, you know, I, later on, six months later, I, I begged him to get me out of there. He sent me to Detroit for the original Sheik, and then the rest is history. And uh, after I became uh, more and more well-known, and then my dad had this horrible plane crash, in 1975, where he was crippled from the waist down, never could wrestle again, and uh, he more or less passed the torch to me, and uh, we were good buddies until he passed away in 2001. He was very supportive of my pro wrestling career. A lot of professional athletes get the opportunity to take their children into dressing rooms and the like, and that's how those kids follow in their father's footsteps in most cases. Was that the same for you or because Dad was doing a fair bit of travelling, as you've mentioned, in, in your career as well? Did you get the opportunity to go into the dressing rooms and is that how you got your love for wrestling? Yeah, when I was a kid in Texas, when I was on on the road with him before I was even in the business, I'd watch these other matches and I didn't like him. I'd watch my dad wrestle. I'd go, Oh my God, that's the real thing. And so I got to watch the master of Johnny Valentine wrestle the man that made it look real. And because it was when he got in the ring, it was 95% real. You know, he laid him in. So that's, that's where I got hooked. And, uh, later on when he was, you know, actually before he got hurt, before he was in that plane crash, we did a couple, uh, tag team matches in St. Louis together, and that was a thrill for me. Um, when the WWE, WWF at the time, when they uh, expanded nationally and did WrestleMania 1, did, was that a big risk for you to go across, or did you see what was going to happen? Well, I have been in WWF since 1979, Going back and forth to the Mid Atlantic and that, but 1985 was WrestleMania one. I thought it was a fabulous idea. I didn't know how big it really was going to be, and look at it today. You know, we're up to 35 or something. So it's like I was in the first seven WrestleManias. It was a thrill, every one of them. And even in those days, because um, my earliest memories of wrestling are those early WrestleManias, and even with those larger-than-life characters, you always managed to stand out. Um, what do you think it was about your presentation that, for a youngster, just jumped off the screen? Well, I had the uh, fancy robes, you know. I had the blonde hair, and I... When I went into New York at the time, they really didn't have anybody that was, you know, they just had gimmicks, gimmick-type wrestling. They didn't have anybody just grab a hold and really wrestle. So when they saw me, they realized this was different. The very first match I ever had in Madison Square Garden against Bob Backlund, who was a really accomplished uh, wrestler, NCAA and all that stuff, we went one hour Broadway, a one-hour time limit, and never been done in New York. So that's how I got going, and uh, I think that, that really helped helped me along. They, they saw that I was definitely different, and I was believable. Now, with the, the WrestleManias, obviously, it's the Super Bowl of wrestling, uh, but obviously with wrestling, there's no off-season. You have a your big after-WrestleMania party and then straight back out on the road. How, how was that to deal with? Yeah, yeah, you know, <clears throat> these guys today don't—they don't do it like we did. But we never had a day off. But the WrestleMania thing, well, you know, we'd have a couple of days off, then we're right back on the road. But you know, it didn't bother me because I loved the business so much. And even today, I sit around. You know, I have a week off or two weeks off in between these autograph gigs I do, I'll get ants in my pants. I still like being on the road. I like to be busy and I like I like seeing my fans and and this gives me an opportunity because back in the day when I was wrestling, 
we always had to hide in the dressing room and we couldn't talk to the fans because we were the villains or the bad guys or the heels. Now it's all different. You know, now I can be myself and uh, be friendly. And uh, back in those days, I didn't even talk except if there's a camera on me. So it's a lot of fun. It's different now. You mentioned the uh, the beautiful blonde locks that you've got. Uh, there was one stage, though, where you had to go black and uh, rhythm and blues when you dyed your hair on the advice of Jesse the Body Ventura, and uh, you were there with the Hockey Top <laughs> Band. First of all, tell us about dyeing your hair black and how that felt, and secondly, tell us about the Honky Tonk Man. We went to an Eric Bischoff night a few months ago, and he speaks highly of him. <laughs> well, you know, it, it took him a year to talk me into it, but I did it, and then I hated the black hair, but I liked the gimmick. I, I liked Honky Tonk Man, and we we were very successful, and uh, it didn't last as long as it should have, but, uh, you know, because they signed the Road Warriors, and so they more or less, you know, they didn't want rhythm and blues anymore, so I went back to the blonde hair and just kept on going. But it was a enjoyable part of my career because instead of being all serious all the time and 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 making everything believable, I got it. It was still believable, but I got a chance to be a showman. And and it was a change, and it was a departure for me, but I enjoyed it, you know? One of my favorite uh, memories of you was your uh, feud with Garvin. Um, that whole... Oh, yeah. That whole series of matches, uh, <laughs> they were brutal. What What was he like to work with? God, well, that's the way I love to work. And he came into New York, and they said, who do you want to work with? And he's as stiff as I am at it. So he said he wanted to do something with me. He came up with the, where we wrestled and and the retirement match, and I retired him. And then, then I came back, and he's my referee on some matches. And he was screwing me all the time, and I was losing, losing these matches. And it just worked out with a hammer jam and everything. It was a, it was a great, uh, I mean, especially after Rhythm and Blues, it was a great, great uh, part of, of my career. I love rugged Ronnie Garvin. We we uh, we had some stiff matches that people love him, and uh, one of the best underrated guys ever was Ronnie Garvin. Rugged Ronnie Garvin, awesome guy. Yeah, I definitely recommend anyone go back and watch some of those matches on the network because they are a lot of fun. Um, and that was the same time as you were wearing uh, the shin pads, uh, that shin guard that was uh, you were using as a weapon. Uh, whose idea was that? Well, you know, you know, it was uh, me and Vincent Mann had a meeting, and he, and he said we got to do something to uh, to. Um, you know, give you a facelift. He goes, how about, because I've been there a long time. He goes, how about we do something with that figure four? And, and then we, we actually came up with that together, the shin guard that they use in baseball. I just cut off the, the knee part and the ankle part and just had that shin guard. And uh, I think the baseball players and a lot of people are copy, copy this because I see a lot of people with the shin guards now. But yeah, and that was a great that was a great tool. That was uh that was a fabulous thing. And uh it, it made it all we worked right into the I I was supposed to wrestle Don Morocco and do an angle with him, but he ended up getting fired. I put the uh shin guard trigger four on superstar Billy Graham and we were off to the races, but we went to Europe and he got fired for some reason. So Ronnie Garvin came in, he got his own chin guard, and we were off to the races once again. Now, in your own humble opinion, who had the best figure four in wrestling? <laughs> Me, <laughs> Fred the Hammer Valentine, not, not Rick Swear and whoever else, Buddy Rogers from the old days. I think he was the first one to use a figure four, the first nature boy. But no. I I definitely 
say I had the best figure four. I think you're the reason we've all put figure fours on our siblings over the yeah, years. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you've been married three times, Greg. Would it be fair to say that uh, you, your association with Jimmy Hart would probably make that a fourth marriage? <laughs> well, not really, but yeah, Jimmy Hart. I had a lot of, I had a lot of good managers. I had Chapter Lou Albano. I had Sir Oliver Humperdinck. I had uh, the Grand Wizard from the very beginning, then Johnny Valiant. But Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart, we're still great friends, and uh, and uh, you know he manages Hulk Hogan and all that. But he's he's still he always says Greg Valentine was my first guy I ever wrestled when they brought me up from Memphis to the New York to the WWF and uh, Jimmy's Jimmy's my favorite out of all of them. We seem to have lost the art of the manager and the wrestler nowadays. It was very prominent, wasn't it, back in the eighties and the nineties? But that that art of that that cohesion between two people, one inside the ring, one outside the ring, seems to have been lost a fair bit to wrestling. Yeah, there's uh, whatever Paul Hyman or Heyman. He's about he's about the, you know Brock Lesnar's manager. He's about the only one that's left. You know, it's a whole different scene now. They they got but back in the day they had Classy Trey Glassy, the Captain Lou Albano, the Grand Wizard, Jimmy Hart, you know, there was a lot of a lot of managers and that part is just not like it used to be. You don't have someone out there uh even if they do have a manager, he doesn't go out there and, and stand ringside. So, you know, I miss that one. Yeah. Yeah, and then your manager can take some bumps for you as well, which is handy. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was Bobby Heenan. Let's not forget him. Ah, uh, he's the he's no, probably yeah. the best of all time for in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. Yeah, t- talking about getting uh, your manager taking bumps for you. How stiff were those rings back in the seventies and eighties? Well, the rings now the rings you can take bumps on them. You don't get hurt. I remember the ring in Madison Square Garden. It was a friggin' boxing ring. <laughs> um, it was, you know, a boxing ring is is big too. So if you ran the ropes, you'd, you'd blow up just running the ropes. I had a style where I didn't I didn't like to run. I didn't like to run ropes. I liked to wrestle, so it was all right for me. But if I took a slam off the top rope, you know, I'd end up with a bad case of hemorrhoids. So. I mean, there was no, you guys sit out, so you know what a boxing ring is like. There's no give to it. Okay. Sorry. Okay, thank you, guys. Um, So you mentioned you're in Chicago for AEW, uh, for the autograph signing. What's the atmosphere like around the event? Well, there's a lot of people here. They love this new wrestling organization. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of money behind this company. It's football money. And uh, they're getting ready to get TV here not to, in about a month or so. And they got a, they got a lot of good young talent. And uh, the WWE better be looking over their shoulders because these, you know, it's, it, I always, right now, there's, there's just, they're just the WWE is really the big thing. And, and I always believe that competition makes better for everybody. So that's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Do you feel that it's reminiscent of the old uh, Nitro days and the like, uh, taking on WWE? Yeah. Yeah. It could, I, hope, I hope it's like that. You know, I think competition makes everything better. You know, for food, for TV, I mean, everything. I mean, Wrestling needs competition to make it good. And just finally, Greg, before we let you go, life now for you. Uh, you mentioned you, you you've got a, a beautiful wife back in Las Vegas. You you live in in Vegas yourself. Uh, what else keeps you busy? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I like to go down and gamble a little bit in Las Vegas. I like to. Uh, gamble football and baseball and, and that sort of thing. My wife likes to play the cards. And, uh, 
you know, we have a great time at Strip in Las Vegas, and I'm only 12 minutes from there. So that keeps me that keeps me entertained. Plus, I still work out and stuff. I got a nice gym in my house, and uh, and basically it. Going out to dinner, they got the most fabulous restaurants in the world right there in Las Vegas. And I believe you do a little bit of a speaking tour at times with uh, Ted DiBiase and the like, going around to schools and, and having a chat to the kids? Yeah, I've done that. I haven't done that recently, but I did do that a lot. I'm game for doing it again. I also did a, a comedy tour. Me and Honky Tonk went on a comedy tour about two months ago. Now, that'd be funny. And that's fun. Yeah, that that was fun, the rhythm and blues thing. Does he still uh, think he's Elvis? <laughs> uh, he, he, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> He's a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. Cheers. <laughs> Greg, we thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. It's been uh, fantastic having you on our program, and uh, we wish you all the best. And hopefully, uh, our paths may cross one day. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on, and and thank you for uh, promoting the 350 days. Everybody's going to enjoy it if they go see it, uh, or um, it's on, I guess it's on iTunes in Australia. So I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, download that. It's gonna. It is a, a great film and uh, an opportunity to get right into the uh, inside the life of a, a professional wrestler over a period of time. Greg the Hammer Valentine joining us here on the Turnbuckle. Welcome back, part two of On the Turnbuckle this week. Uh, great interview there, boys, with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. It was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was um, It was awesome. And the movie he's talking about, that 350 days, um, is available on – I know it's available on iTunes um, and Vimeo at the moment. So, yeah, check it out. It's really good. Yeah, it's only $7 to rent or $14 to yep. own. So it's good. And, yeah, he uh, does have the best figure for – Leg lock in the game. He told us For that. himself, yeah. He so. told us that. All right, let's get into our next interview, guys. It was, uh, we were really fortunate and lucky to catch up with this guy. Uh, we've been wanting to have a chat to him for a long time, actually, and uh, it was great to finally get a hold of him. Uh, Slex joins us before the MCW show. We uh, cornered him backstage. We did, and uh, while he was... There was a lot on his mind, you could tell, yeah, from the start of the year. He had a big match. Yeah, yeah, very big match. Coming up against Brooksy. Let's have a listen to our interview with Slex prior to his big match against Brooksy at the MCW The MCW show. World Heavyweight Champion, Slex. He is, exactly. Yeah, and he spoke to us at the Thornbury Theatre last Saturday. All right, we're joined pre-MCW show by the MCW champion and also a New Zealand champion as well. He holds both belts. We'll talk about that shortly. Slex, thank you for your time tonight. No, no, thank you so much for having me. I've been uh, wanting to do this podcast for a while, so no, appreciate it. Thank you. Fantastic, man. Massive night tonight. Let's talk about that. Uh, You and Brooksy, always a good show when you guys are together. Is Is there pressure on you to... Move go better than the last show to top to top the last effort. Well, I think that's with uh, every performer and every time you step in the ring, you want to better yourself and uh, you know obviously present yourself the best possible way. But I mean, with me and Brooksy, yeah, you're right. There is some history and there's you know a bit of a story there. We are good friends outside the ring, but when it comes to tonight, um, this is about proving I think who's who's the best. So there's that pressure not only to perform uh, for the fans and put on a great show, but there's that uh, also internal pr- uh, pressure you put on yourself to uh, you know prove prove who's the best in the ring. So yeah, there's always always pressure. Oh yeah, the, the crowd's gonna they're gonna eat it up for sure. Every time you guys are in the ring, it's it's magic. So oh, yeah, no pressure from here. Um, <laughs> Brooksy obviously he's just come back from overseas, but. 
you had a little journey overseas to New Zealand recently. Yes, I did. Uh, the fine of Invercargill. It is, uh, yes, it's definitely the, uh, on the edge of the world. It, it was um, cold and, yeah, there wasn't much to do. But the, no, the wrestling was amazing for them to draw, I think, you know, 1,200 or 1,300 people uh, in a really small town of only maybe 50,000 people. Um, yeah, that's pretty amazing. And double, double champ now? Double champ yeah, now, so... Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, double champ now, so two, two titles to defend, so uh, yeah, no, it's good. And what extra pressure is it to be the face of two companies at the same time? Um, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> uh, you put, yeah, now you're making me stress out, but um, no, I mean, it's, it's good, that's the spot you want to be. I mean, if, you, if you're doing this and you don't want that spot and you don't want the, to hold the, you know, the main championship of, of the company you work for, then I think maybe you need to reassess, you know, what you're doing. So to, to be given that, um, to be given the spotlight to do that and the trust, um, yeah, that's that's what you want. Talk us through the last 12 months because your last 12 months has been incredible. And this week you were named in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top 500 wrestlers okay, yep. um, of the world, and the only guy who's primarily in australia that got named in the on that list as well yeah yeah um yeah that's that's pretty cool um that's that's nice to hear i actually didn't know that so i'm not sure what number i am but i'm sure it's somewhere up more closer to the 500 mark but it's um, 388 388 all right i'll take that um no so yeah like the last 12 months have been really exciting and um i feel like when i went away from wrestling for a little bit um I had to reassess and come back better. I didn't want to come back and just be who I was. So I wanted to reinvent myself a little bit. And so, yeah, like I was watching guys like Adam Brooks and, you know, Jonah Rock. And they had not only the wrestling, but they had the character as well. So that was a big move and a big change for me was to think about how I present myself the best way to interact with the crowd more um, and get more of a response and... and um, yeah, so I came back with the intention of being not just in ring, but being the best all-round performer I could possibly be. And I think, yeah, I'm on my way to doing that. So, yeah. Congratulations, baby in tow on, oh, yeah. on the birth a couple of months ago. Is that, does that change you as a wrestler? Does that give you a whole new perspective on what you do in life? Um, well, I think anyone that has kids, you, it changes you because you're providing for someone but um i mean yeah i mean it's the the best thing i've ever done i've got two kids now so i've got a little girl and a, just had a little boy um you can stop <laughs> yeah exactly so actually wrestling now and getting away is actually feels like a bit of a break but um no i mean yeah kids change you but yeah always for the better you're lucky you got one of each i always wanted three kids one of each but i only had four boys <laughs> yeah well the, the wife wants a third but i think that's gonna happen <laughs> does it sort of make you reassess your goals in, in life, in, in wrestling life? Um, well, I mean, anyone that is wrestling, you'd be silly to say that you didn't want to go further and, and live out this as, as a full-time job. Um, what makes it harder for me is I've got two kids and a wife to provide for, so at the moment, yeah, I'm working full-time as well, so it's, it makes it hard on that front, where if I was 20, 25 or 26 now... Um, you know, I'd probably be travelling more and, and getting more opportunities. But, yeah, because I've got the two kids and the wife and I'm, you know, a little bit older, um, there's more of a responsibility. But that doesn't mean that I don't want that spot. Um, it just puts me in a little bit of a, a tougher predicament. So, yeah. You talked about uh, different philosophy when you came back and interacting with the crowd. Did you ever think the sunglasses would be as hot as they are? Um, it took a little while for it to... Uh, get over I think but I was always strong I think from wrestling because I've been around so long I was confident in my uh, ability to not worry too much about if the fans weren't responding most people like when you break into the business and you're a wrestler you're so self-conscious of you know oh they're not responding so you've got to change it or you you're trying to change what you do every single time you go out there when I came back with this character I really made the intention of Everything I did was going to be the same. My entrance, the way I walk, every little thing I do 
is going to be the exact same. So I didn't really veer away from it. And then over time, it just grew and sort of, and sort of just caught on. No, I didn't think it would get to this, but I was hopeful. Well, it's better than taking a bump, for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> now, you said you have been around a long time. Was it 15, 16 years? And yeah, you're still relatively that. young. You're in the early 30s. Uh, early 30s, So you started yeah. early like Dowie. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I started early, yeah. yeah. What's the biggest difference between the business when you broke in compared to 2019? Um, more the fact that it's so much more professional and so much more eyes on the product now. Like before, when I first broke in, it was such a, it felt like such an unrealistic goal that you could even wrestle, you know, international talent or the idea of traveling to, you know, America or anything like that, or getting those opportunities. You just think, I don't know, it was something out of reach, but I mean, doors have opened now and I mean, damn, if I was breaking in now, my, like amazing what like the opportunities now is just incredible so um yeah i wish i was you know 25 26 now because you actually there's no restriction on what you can do but even now having the young talent that's coming through across the country there must be a new guy every month that you look at and think geez i'd love to get in the ring with him yeah the talent in that, and that's the other the main thing as well the talent coming up now i mean there you've got incredible talent that you know not just in Australia, you put them on, you know, on any stage in the world, and they can re- represent this uh, country really well. And that's from like, you know, b- back when I broke in, everyone was wearing jeans or, you know, like singlets and all that sort of stuff. Now everyone not only can wrestle really well, but you know, they look the part as well, which is a big, big part of it. Yeah, it's important, especially when you've got people who maybe haven't seen um, indie wrestling before coming to an Australian show for the first time. Mm. It's got to look like what they see on TV. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's what really brings people coming back to like MCW and places like PWA in Sydney and EPW in Perth and, you know, Wrestle Rampage in Adelaide. We all try and put on the best product for the fans and um, I think that, yeah, translates really well. We had Lobo on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago and he spoke about um, what he thought was his last great match and it was in Adelaide and it was against you. And um, I just want to know what it's like for someone who's coming up at that stage to get in the ring with an Australian wrestling legend, yeah. and then now years later to hear how important that match was to him. Yeah, that's re- really nice to hear. Um, I haven't actually listened to that, but yeah, I would like to go back and have a listen. But yeah, that match was yeah that was at Theberton Theatre in Adelaide, and I'll never I'll never forget it. Um, you know, he really he did a lot for me in, in my early career and believed in me a lot. And um, yeah, that match was just incredible and I do feel we went all out um and he I think he did say that to me as well that he felt like that was one of his last you know better matches um and yeah I'll never forget what he did for me I was commentating that match I was there and remember it vividly and and some of the spots because you'd only been in the business for a couple of years a couple of years yeah yeah, I think what year was uh that show I'm reckoning it's probably about 2000 and Five, two thousand six. Yeah, so maybe three, three years. Yeah, four years. And some of the stuff that you were doing with him at that point in time, we were. I remember thinking to myself, "This is amazing stuff." Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I think there was a, and I'm not even sure if it's the match. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a because it was on Thebin and Theaters on two levels. So yeah, you've got the is. bottom level and the top. Did you actually, you guys, come off the top level in that? Can't I can't remember. remember. I got the worst memory. Yeah. Ask it. I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah, but I, I know we did some crazy stuff that, you know, if you, if, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it now. I don't think so. Or want to? Yeah, or want to? Exactly right. And uh, did a bit of tag team wrestling earlier in the year. How was it teaming up with Seb Costello? Uh, that was actually really fun. He's yeah, awesome guy. Um, and obviously for him to step into our world and uh, promote us in his world was uh, yeah, we're really grateful and really thankful for that opportunity. Um, but he, I thought he did really well. Like he was at the training school a lot, and I was actually surprised at how well technically sound he was. Um, yeah, he did really well, and that was fun, and drew a good house. So yeah, everyone was happy. No, he definitely did. Like I know when it first uh, got announced, and you know, wrestling fans obviously, oh, this is. But yeah, you could see he put the hard work in, and you know, he went around the traps and did the, everyone's podcasts and stuff, and you know, obviously used his fame and his uh, his other platforms to yeah exactly you know, obviously draw a house so now yeah. it was good use of the celebrity yeah i think it'd be fair to say you're a fairly introverted 
person compared to some of the guys that are out there like in the dressing room, Hendrix. like a Lockie Hendricks. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. But you're a fairly private person. Yeah, and, I am, yeah. Do you find it hard to change that persona from being you? Not to really, because I, I feel like when I am wrestling or when I'm. When, when I'm not changing who I am, really. Like, when, like that I do have that sort of that entertainment part of me to, to perform. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. I, I mean, if you knew me, if you knew me well and my friends that know me well, I'm probably not an introvert. But around people that maybe I don't know so much or um, that don't know me, maybe I do, I do come across that way. But yeah, that's just my, my nature. Um, you did talk about uh, you want to go overseas more, and obviously the young family. Um, do you have a bigger goal? Like, is it America or something like that, or a tour? You know, um, maybe a family uh, holiday. Yeah, maybe family holiday <laughs> as well. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm sort of like, yeah, sort of just like putting the feelers out at the moment, um, and hopefully something happens this year or maybe early next year. But I feel like, um, you know, I feel like something will, will happen soon. Like. All, all I can do is keep doing what I'm doing um, and, and doing my best and trying to make contacts and hopefully uh, we can get something happening soon where I can go overseas and uh, people will get the eyes on me over there as well. Thanks, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. You mentioned you've been waiting to come on the podcast to speak to us. We've definitely been waiting to speak to you for a while as well. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Good luck. Yeah, no, I appreciate Pucci. it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, hopefully I can uh, retain and uh, yeah, put on a good show for you guys. Lock up your husbands, lock up your wives, because this is Avery and you're listening to On The Turnbuckle. And welcome back, part three of On The Turnbuckle. Unusually we have three parts, but we've had two very special guests on this week in Greg the Hammer Valentine and Slex. And oh, I know it's not top of your list, but I, I suppose we, we should chat about it straight off the top. What? Slex versus Brooksy, because it's sort of – Follows on from what we were just talking about with Slex. Um, were you disappointed in the finish of that match? No, I love the finish of that match. That were was you, the highlight of my entire night. Were you disappointed we didn't have a conclusion to the match? No. No. The, the story is more important than anything else. Mm. Um, what I was disappointed is other aspects of the match, which is we'll talk about a bit later um, in the podcast. But um, no, they built the match nicely. It was fantastic. They... Didn't have the match I was expecting them to have, which is always nice because you're expecting them to just do 100 Canadian destroyers and we didn't see any. Um, but it was a really good match back and forth. Brooksy looked like he had a one and Dowie came out and local man ruins everything. Yeah, that had to, that was amazing heat. That's That's the most amount of heat I've ever been... In front of that it was a fair was, bit, wasn't it? Oh, it, was it 14, 15 minutes? The crowd just know, wouldn't I'd, let him talk. He tried to, you know, and Dowie's a man that if he has a microphone, people should be able to hear him. But, um, nah, I myself, I, I wasn't disappointed in the conclusion or the lack of conclusion in the match because that just means the rubber match is still out there that we may get it in the future. We've also got it's also set up, um, Dowie versus. Um, Brooksy with Dowie playing heel, which we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And it's also set up Dowie to be a main contender as a heel for the title, which we've never seen. Does it set up a three-way for the title? It, I don't know. Uh, it sets up a lot of things. But I could see the guy who wrote the storyline, and he looked very satisfied with himself with that heat that was coming. Um, and I popped like the biggest mark in the history of the sport. <laughs> and the storyline was valid. In regards to what Dowie was actually saying, and the, and the fact that well, it shouldn't have been, but it was. no, it shouldn't have been, but but it is to the extent that you know people and, and what he was saying effectively. If you weren't at the show, even if you were at the show, you probably didn't understand or, or listen to what he was saying. But what he was saying was, wrestlers are coming here, they're doing a fantastic job, they're being built up, they're being promoted to be superstars here in Australia, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, I'm going to go and better myself by going somewhere else, and we're all applauding them. Why can't we say that? This, whether it be MCW or PCW, whatever, PWA, whatever company it is, why can't we say that that is the best because in Australia? There's not enough money in Australia. You can't make a living wrestling once yeah, a month. But that's fine. But say that. Say you're going to do it for money. Don't say you're going to do it to better your wrestling. But you are bettering your wrestling because you're wrestling more often. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, Dowie's wrong when he says that. 
Yeah, that's, 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 that's the only part that I agree to. Yeah, no, a, the part where he shit on the crowd, I agreed on. Yeah, yeah. That's I, the, that was where he was. The, the, the elements of truth that were spliced in there that makes for a more convincing heel for, um, for mine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Dowie as a heel is going to be amazing for the next few months. So I'm really looking yeah, I think he's to got him. some, I think he's a very creative guy. So I think he'll have. Some things up his sleeve that he's probably been saving up for a few years. Yeah. Mm, I look forward to how that plays out. Also, on the MCW uh, New Horizon show on Saturday night, they announced a women's title, finally. Yes, and the tournament running it. So they're obviously doing it in a much more serious way than what AEW was crowning their first champions. There's <laughs> so, a proper tournament. So eight, uh, the, the, it's a weekend of wrestling, of course. It's a, a double header in October. Yeah, the 11th and, and 12th. females will be uh, going for the title. Yeah, correct. No, it should be good. So, yeah. We'll cover a lot more next week because we've got someone in who's a big fan of of the ladies at MCW. So we'll talk about it in who we think might win it and things like that next week. Um, but it's you know, I'm interested to see. I mean, I can, I can pick seven people that I think will be in that tournament, which leaves one more name and we'll wait and see. Who that could be? Can we uh, pitch Nick Nick Berry? Well, Nick will Nick, just adding women's titles. Yeah, I'm not sure if Nick's going to be wrestling for a couple of weeks. Well, the, the he match might be out. The match isn't for a while. Yeah. The tournament's not for a while. Oh, it's he'll, he'll be on. I reckon he'll be on. He's no. already got a match that night. Yeah, though, so it'd be hard to defend your title. If you're wondering what we're talking about, folks, uh, was Stevie Philippe who did? Yes. Yeah, Stevie Philippe did a drop kick. Oh, it wasn't a drop kick. Oh, it, was a, it sort of was. Moonsault. No, it wasn't Moonsault a, it was a drop kick. It was the move that he... Yeah. Well, it was yeah. a, it was a move where he, both his feet went onto the chest of Mitch Waterman and then he did a flip onto Nick Berry who was on the yeah. ground. Yeah. And then his the, knee... The, moon, the moonsault. Yeah, and then his knee yeah. accidentally got Nick right on the, the chin. Yeah. As a result of that, Nick's teeth went That's through true. his chin, gave him a gash which required... Several stitches. Yeah. Also lost a couple of teeth in the in the whole incident as well. It was an ugly look with this massive hole in his chin as he sat down. But he carried on, which was an amazing effort by him. Yeah. I had a chat to him the next day. Uh, the morphine was doing a good job. Don't mind, don't, don't mind a bit of morphine. Oh yeah, obviously prescribed by a doctor. Uh, it's all right. And he turned the and chicks dig scars. I told uh, him. Yeah, so. no, yeah, he, he did. He mentioned on online that his nurse. Said uh, she'll enjoy the scale once it comes through, and it would, the um, the short stay unit turned into the big sexy unit while he was uh, at the hospital. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, he he looks at the positive side of things in life. Um, it's fair to say, he might be wearing a mouth guard from now on. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, a bit unfortunate, but hey, they had some, you know, had to shave in the fourth slit for winning the tag team titles for the fourth time, and you know, he had blood covered. Face and all over running down his neck, and you know, he sat there like a champ while Mitchie shaved the uh, the fourth slit in. So yeah, good on him. So what do you think about referees and suspenders, boys? I think if the referee had his time over again, he wouldn't be wearing suspenders. Um, yeah, I I don't think it was great. I think that it hijacked the main event. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. There was an issue with it that it carried on for so long in the main event. And I think the, the reference by Dowie at the end of it was that the crowd made it all about themselves. I felt it was just – I thought, felt the referee made it more about himself. He became the focus. Yeah, when the referee should never – should no, never exactly, be about no, the referee. It's just meant to be. Correct. Yeah. I, I, was, I was disappointed in the crowd. Like, it was funny the first time. Maybe the first two times it was funny. But then – Every time the guys went outside or there was the, um, you know, they're both laying down spot, you know, which normally you get the, this That's is awesome emotions chance from and too. people are chanting and stomping their feet. This is Brooksy, uh, you know, come on Brooksy, come on Slex. When the, the heat's meant to be coming, you know, for the match and the fans were just waiting to chant suspenders every time the referee counted, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so it's disappointing for myself. I couldn't imagine being the two guys that had busted their ass for 25 minutes, you know. Um, I think it was even longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they busted their ass. I couldn't imagine them laying on the on the floor of the Thornbury Theatre and being overly happy mm. with the situation. The other, the other thing is, like, so the 100 people were chanting suspenders, but there's another 400 people there that they're taking out of the match because it was annoying me. I wanted, like, I was invested in the match and then... 
I started to just get oh, this suspenders chance doing my head in. Yeah. Um. I mean, I saw Tony chanting it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. classic. Even Tony. started mm. it. Yeah. Well, he wears he wears suspenders a lot. So I saw Buddy Murphy chanting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Buddy Murphy was at the Thornbury Theatre. He was Theater. at the Thornbury yeah. Theatre. Did you uh, go up and get a photo, Tony? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, Mitch did. Ah, oh, well done. I think it was the only photo Buddy gave for the whole night. Yeah. Well, I did. He walked past us in the foyer and. <laughs> Everyone was just sort of doing a double take because you're not expecting no um, a WWE superstar to just walk past you in the foyer as if it's nothing. And yeah. one guy came running back. I think it was Grant, and he's like, "Oh, did I just see?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah he wasn't sure. He had to ask everyone. But I think we all were. Like, if I feel if I was on my own, I would have second guessed myself a lot more. But because everyone else had sort of seen it, we all like, "Yep, um, you know, not just a WWE superstar, WWE's best wrestler as well." Well, I mean, as- for me, for me, he came walking in my eye line the yeah. whole way through. So for everyone else, it was a brief glimpse. But I saw him approaching, and. I hadn't even warned anyone, and they just walked past, <laughs> and I'm like, "Did you see Buddy Murphy?" Like, because <laughs> when we when he came upstairs, Mitch said to me, "Hey, Dad, that's Buddy Murphy." And I said, "What? No, don't be stupid. I didn't even look." <laughs> and he said, "No, it is." I looked around and gone, "Shit, it is too." Yeah, that was it. Was quite amazing. Tony refuses like, to sit with the people. Hey, and uh, who would have known? <laughs> who would have known that there was another MCW in the world? Everybody. Wow. There's another everything. Um, yeah. yeah. I think you're getting to how you embarrassed us online. Is this is this it? Yeah. Well, it's is that when you the... tagged MCW? In... What, you, what you have to learn is you just run with the run sheet. If that's what you've got, you don't have to actually point things oh, out no, to the listeners. But I'm getting, I, I just, need the like... word you embarrassed us in there, Tony. <laughs> well, you can put that in there, fine. <laughs> because but to... for people who don't follow us on Twitter, Tony tried to tweet um, Dowie to apologize for something that he said. To Mikey. Yeah. Um, you have to apologise to Dowie again now because you've made him look like a fool for tweeting <laughs> the wrong MCW. Because for some reason you tagged Maryland Championship Wrestling. Yeah, which I never knew existed. This is a mainly Australian podcast, Tony. I don't think we uh, – they might have a network. Or we might, might be able but to what it has brought to. up is a great idea of an MCW versus MCW show. Who's paying for those flights for everyone know, from Maryland? That is that anywhere near where you're going over for it could be, yes, You might it, be it is, hitting them up, actually. Yeah, interpromotional uh, booking by Tony. <laughs> Next time, Mel- the tweeting it's M City Wrestling, at M City Wrestling. Just type in Melbourne, mate, and you can't go wrong. No, I did type in Melbourne City Wrestling. And you clicked the wrong one. Up. No, no, you just type Melbourne, and it will come up if you follow them. I see you. You don't follow them. I do follow them. Oh, you do. Yeah, the wrong one. (laughs) I think I follow. This is what happens when old people tweet. Yeah. What's what's the what's their main event this weekend? Who? The MCW that you follow. Your new MCW. They haven't got a show this week. (laughs) Don't they? Don't Maryland Championship Wrestling have a show either? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Follow us on Twitter, and so you can see uh, Tony in action. Uh, AEW All Out Boys was All Out. Ridiculous by the sounds of things. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, pre, it was more good pre, than bad. The pre-show is um, well, that they're, they're betting it uh, at a hundred. The pre-show is being absolute shit. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, is this a good start for them? Uh, it's not TV yet, so I'm. Yeah, but I'm still, not too people sure. charge. They were charging people in America fifty bucks. But people are still starting to form an impression of the whole. Organization, aren't they? I think if you're paying fifty dollars in America to watch AEW at the minute, you're probably a neckbeard anyway. So they're going to get the money whether they charge fifty or ninety dollars, probably. Mm. Um, and you know, obviously, some of their fans think they can do no wrong, but you know, their pre-shows are rubbish. Yeah, uh, and are they aren't, aren't in a normal pay-per-view standard just rubbish to the extent that they've just got absolute no names doing? No, not no names because there were some big names. Obviously, you know the Shazza was in the you know in the twenty one women joke. What I don't even know what it's called. The casino battle casino royale. Royal, yeah. You know the twenty first person as the Joker as well. It's so TNA ish rules. I can't even follow it. Explain it. I did pop when Shazza came out and she did a good split uh, splits uh, spot in the middle the of the ring. Fantastic stunner. It's called. That's the one. Um, yeah. So that was. Um, yeah, that that part of it was fun, obviously because we're Australian. But I don't know. Just and Tenille was there. Yeah, Tenille came there, and she's going to be in Australia next month. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, as a show overall, though, I, th- I think the main pay per view was good. Um, some good to great matches on there. You know, Puck versus uh, Kenny Omega was good, really good. Um, you know, the ending was surprising. Uh, don't know why they just didn't do that ending the first time that when Puck had the Dragon Gate title. If he was going to win, it didn't matter now. Um, Chris Jericho, can, he's got an elbow over. You know, he, That's a terrible quick, terrible move. It's over. The crowd is uh, and Jericho could crap in the ring with that crowd and it would be over? No, no, I'm not just talking about the crowd. The way it was, I was going to say, the way it was shot, because <laughs> some of their camera work is pretty... Pretty tough. It's like I don't know if they're that experienced in following wrestling or they miss a lot. Yeah, they, they miss, miss a lot. lot. It's very jumpy. I know people complain about WWE with their um, their jumpy jump edits. Yeah, jump, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Trying to like you're actually in the action, yeah. which actually they just very rarely miss the spot that they're trying. That's to That's right. Well, they you know they've very experienced. Um, what do you make of T- Cody's dog? That was a bad look. Very, well, you know, dogs don't want to be around, you know, it hasn't even thundered yet and the dog's already under the couch or under the bed. And he had his dog out there while fireworks were going off, which wasn't pleasant. Which everyone knows that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dogs don't like loud noises. Yeah. So that disappointing and I'm not sure, I'm I'm assuming they would apologise, you know, their PR department or whatever. To the dog? Well, no, he'd probably, he'd probably um, get a couple of walks or a new toy or something I don't know but yeah that was that wasn't a great look um but the the tag team match versus the young bucks and the lucha brothers was an uh, amazing spot fest so dangerous some oh, yeah. of the spots on the uh on the ladders and stuff and some of those guys are already working with injuries and I'd be surprised if you know they were limping away with a couple more I enjoyed the hardcore match as well yeah <laughs> I refuse to call it by the name it was at the that well, you're not going to say? No, nah, I'm not no. advertising uh, <laughs> the match. Yeah, there's some... Uh, even that match, that was just crazy spots. Guys doing dives onto nobody, just onto the... You know? Uh, Jimmy Havoc's most successful move for the whole match was the get out of the way. Get out of the way. You know? I enjoyed the monkey flip on the chair. That was very clever. Um, uh, what, what's his name? Darby Allen stealing... Kingston's match, uh, Kingston's skateboard spot from uh, EPW over there in Perth. He uh, he was the first one to bring a skateboard to the ring, I think. Yeah, yeah, but not with thumbtacks on the back of it. Well, yeah, and now he's auctioning that off, actually, with the thumbtacks. So good it was, on him. It was more good than bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's I think still... there, there are problems in the production and um, the writing still. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just looking at, you know, it's their one-off pay-per-views, wait till TV. If the TV's rubbish... Then we'll go from there, I guess. But you know, I paid for it off on Fight TV, so I, I didn't. I own a, I own a small mortgage, second mortgage on my house because Fight TV just bleeds you dry. But uh, don't blame Fight TV for the costs. <laughs> it's their fault. Nah, Fight TV is pretty expensive, regardless. Even when it, New Japan's on there. Um, but yeah, overall it was good. It was you know worth worth the money. Yeah. We're nitpicking, I guess, at some things that we don't like. Reports from uh, Sydney Boys on PWA's Rumble. Yeah, it was really good. I watched it today. Um, some really, really don't you work? Great spots <laughs> I had today off. It's fair to say. Um, it was there's some really fun spots there. The debut of James Adultman was classic. Um, loved it. Love the prefects. They're they're a fantastic little act. Um, the Rumble was yeah full of fun spots and. As for the other matches, the Nations versus the Velocities was incredible. And TJP versus Matty Wahlberg was a lot of fun as well. So I'd advise anybody pay the six bucks to, to watch that show on OVO. Yeah, I'll be going home because it got released today. So you must have been right on top of it. I'm uh, going to go home and watch it tonight. Lovely. And um, they're obviously, their next show will be Coliseum. So we will be up in Sydney. For Coliseum. In October. Um, should be a lot of fun. PW, uh, PCW launching their PCW network. What's that all about? Um, yeah, so they've got all their stuff online. People often oh, great. have been a little bit um, uh, negative about PCW not 
having their stuff up. So they've got it all up now. It's about nine dollars a month. Um, streaming service. And I've heard whispers there might be an app coming out in the next week or so mm. as well, which will make it even easier to watch. So good on them for doing that. Um, and yeah, lo- lo- there's some cool stuff on there, like the Grand Slam show. And even last, their match, their, their show last weekend, every single title changed hands. Uh, one of them changed hands twice. Yeah. In the one night? Yeah, there was a cash in of a briefcase okay. on Sid did it on his own brother. There you which, go. Uh, which should tell some nice stories going yeah. forward. So, uh, But it's the best way to watch Royce Chambers. And I think everybody, if you haven't heard of Royce, you'll hear of him soon because you'll. I suspect that in the next 12 months he might be everywhere. I do ten dollars. That's worth it. Worth it a month. Cheaper Save, than fight. Ch- cheaper than travelling to Ferntree Gully from uh, our neck of the woods as well. And you know, sometimes logistically we can't get there, but they put the shows mm. up there. I'm uh, I'm excited. Aussie wrestling, wrestling, Aussie wrestling gifts. Yeah, uh, this is something that came up on Twitter. Um, you know, I love Twitter. It actually governs not, most of our show it. each week. Uh, so, yeah, I, I noticed that people tagging him saying that he needed to get onto the PCW network. Um, and he mentioned that, yeah, it, it gets a bit expensive. And, and we all know that it does get a bit expensive when you're trying to cover wrestling in the in this country. And it's it's 10 bucks a month for 10 different promotions. And pretty quickly it, it adds up. And I just uh, thought that... Surely a tax deduction for him, though. He doesn't make money out of it. How's it a tax deduction? He's running a Twitter account, making gifts. Oh, okay. um, Negative geared. So, yeah, I just thought um, maybe it's time for all the Australian promotions to maybe, you know, give him a free subscription because then he's going to gift your matches. They're going to they're going to go worldwide. They go viral. And that's going to – he does more to create subscriptions to the local product than what just about anybody does. Yeah. Oh, it's well, it's well-deserved, you know. If it's <laughs> – it's ten dollars a month out of a promotion's pocket for well, virtually free advertising. Uh, you know, a few days after your your big shows. Well, why wouldn't you do it? Even even some of the wrestlers could even. Every just... promotion should have a, a media budget. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that should be in the advertising budget. You know, just it's it's ten dollars for you. Give away ten promotions, whatever it might be, to people who are covering yeah the shows. And, well, I know, and we say this with bias, which is us doing what we do, but. And, and, and in all honesty and in, in all sincerity, we shouldn't have to pay for online shows in Australia. We shouldn't because if we're coming on and promoting those shows and the like, you just shouldn't have to. Well, I mean, it gets to the point where you have to pick and choose what you pay for. So some some companies do miss out, unfortunately. But uh, I know PCW straight away after we tweeted that, um, they gave him a free subscription. I know Wrestle Rampage gave him a free subscription. Um, so hopefully everyone else jumps on and, and looks after and, him. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should get free tickets to every single event that happens and all that sort of stuff. That That's not the case. But if it's just a, a subscription to something on a pay-per-view... Tony won't go to anything if he has to pay. No, but seriously. Yeah. <laughs> BCW, boys. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, fr- Friday yeah, night. Friday night. Friday night, you know. The, um... Crazy as... Yeah, you, you want to talk about the Ultra Death match? No, I didn't see it, yeah. but you guys did. But from what you've told me, it just sounds amazingly... Ugh. I did get covered in glass um, with that last part. There was glass. I know that I was talking to Nick Galea, and he, the next morning, found glass in his pocket. Like, yeah, that's... but he was happy with that because that's a good uh, good little souvenir. I've seen most of the match, Tony, through between, 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 between my fingers. fingers. Uh, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff, you know, I get anxiety-ridden thinking the worst could happen, and I don't want to see it when it does, so I relax as soon as the uh, match was over. But I enjoyed it. It was uh, super different. It's not always my cup of tea, but when it's done well, it's great. Like the pile driver off the apron through the barbed-wide-covered table was cringeworthy, but also great because, you know, Everyone survived and, you know. It was the, a chant of please don't die uh, a couple of times. Mad Dog, Mad Dog's very good at it. Yeah. He, so you know that there's that his opponent and him are going to keep each other safe when it's Takeda and Mad Dog. There's not too much to worry about. And it was fun. And yeah. the crowd was super hot. Yeah. And super, it was a really good crowd, like a good-sized crowd. 
And Ken Shamrock did a suicider. Yeah, the old uh, plancher Shamrock. I like it. Uh, <laughs> didn't do that in his. He didn't do that in his prime. Oh, you seen him? He might be in his prime now. <laughs> well, he looks exactly the same from the neck down. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, he covers his legs a bit more, so he's probably not doing as many uh, squats. But you know, it's an upper body business, and you know, he's he's looking a million dollars. So yeah, seeing him dive over the top rope. Yeah, that's crazy at his yeah. age. Was he fifty five? I don't yeah. know. He's got to be in his fifties. And I wasn't invited to his last birthday, so I'm not quite sure. There's a reason for that. I don't. I've never met him. Upcoming sh- exactly. That's the reason. <laughs> uh, upcoming shows, boys. Friday, September the sixth. BCW is no, on okay, in Melbourne. Yeah, Cross that off. I just forgot to delete it. I there's thought. No, oh, you know what? I no thought Fridays. exactly there's that no that Friday was the shows. case, but I thought no, he's put it there, so there must be. That was the one we were just at. No, there's no Friday shows. <laughs> PWA in Sydney. I said there's no Friday shows. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's why I that's the show I'm watching tonight. So hang on, Saturday. Just go straight to oh, Saturday. Okay. Saturday. So Saturdays are on. the off-season at the moment. NAW is on in Melbourne featuring Richie Taylor, uh, Emin, the kid, and Jake Wilder and Jet Ruka in a four-way match. So, yeah, so that'll be worth the price, that match. Yeah, that's actually really exciting. Emin's really good. New Horizons in Perth have a massive lineup, including LAX... And Sue Young, Sue Young, Sue Young, in uh, there over there at Perth. Uh, if you're promoting a show and you want us uh, to put it on for you, so I can stuff it up totally, <laughs> just give us a yell on our Facebook uh, page on the Turnbuckle, and uh, we'll more than happily do that for you. If you've got an idea for a podcast as well, either the My Podcast House or on the Turnbuckle through our Facebook pages, and we can help you get on air as well. All right, boys. Next week we'll be chatting to a couple of guests. Including a best-selling author. Yes, there's something different. Hmm. Interesting. Going to be classy. Look forward to catching you guys next week. Then I'll see you then, mate. Stay classy, boys. Stay classy. Got to get classy first. Uh, did you have a good so Father's Day, Tony? I did. Thank you. Did long. you have a rap battle? Good. Yes, we oh, did. Oh yeah. How did, did the rap did battle go? I've got it on my computer. I'll play it for you later. Oh, no, I don't want. I don't, you don't want to play. Did you lose? Here. No, I won. Yeah. Maybe no, you cheated. No, I didn't. You, you pre-rehearsed. You pre-wrote it. Yes. It was, so meant to be, son. it was meant to be freestyle. So did Mitchell. It was so you're freestyle. both cheated. Yeah. So, if so you cheating pre- right, So this is the way rap works. If you pre-write it, you're just singing a song. <laughs> uh, it's, to freestyle, you've got to make it up as you Look go along. You've got to be able to make up that shit. That's hard stuff. <laughs> Catch you next week, folks. Another episode of On the Turnbuckle coming up then. We'll see you then.